0: Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk about Games. I'm your co-host Mango, and I am your co-host Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, Ultimate Intrigue. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what we do on this podcast? Well, it's pretty simple. Uh, we like to talk
1: about games, uh, except on I guess if you tuned into our most recent bonus episode which is on the on the page. It's uh, about Batman v Superman. Uh, but uh, but yeah, no, we're back. We're doing games this time for real, uh, and. Um, but before we do that, I guess we played some games this week, right?
0: Yeah, just is a point of order, the bonus was probably going to go up after this episode goes up. Oh, fair uh, enough. As part of our six months celebration.
1: Oh, damn. Ooh. Do we have a... Uh, wow, jeez, six months. Man, we're really good at this, though.
0: Yeah, Just you know, we're persistent, if nothing else.
1: Yeah, I guess, yeah. He, he, the, he, uh, anyway, <laughs> things... Uh it happened last week we played both Rune Lords and Hells Rebels actually. Uh, yes we did. Um I don't really remember what happened in Rune Lords.
0: Rune Lords um uh, we discovered the Wooden Wanderers true past. Um
1: Oh yeah, can you break that story down? The kid, it was it was oddly confusing at the time and I wasn't quite sure I got it. A kid gets lost in the, gets lost in a forest, comes out, gets adopted
0: by a family, and then his family is murdered by the forest? Is that... I, I don't know if he ever got lost in the forest in the first place, but the child came from the forest. Uh, he grew up, had a family, and then the forest exsanguinated his wife and children. And he went off into the forest, I guess, to get vengeance. And uh, no one ever <laughs> saw him again. <laughs> Except yeah. he's the Wooden Wanderer. Um, but that that person. Is, everybody recognizes the Wooden Wanderer as that person. They've been surprisingly coy about it for someone who walked off into the woods after their their family was exsanguinated. So you know, I'm also
1: I also don't quite understand why they were being coy about it. <laughs> this is going to be not a real point, but a little bit of one. This is just like a storytelling pet peeve of mine. It's like. Characters treating something like a mystery because the plot demands that it be treated like a mystery when, in reality, what reason do these characters have for not not telling you, right? That... Uh, I don't know. I guess, Oh, you know, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. Maybe they yeah, don't want no, I, to...
0: Uh... I definitely feel that. It's also kind of like... Heart... Like... Hard to kind of like slot that type of thing into an existing storyline, so don't begrudge Mark too much for it. Also, the people in Turtleback Free are supposed to be a little bit off. They were, yeah, I guess, that's kind of true. ostensibly. Well, the thing evil is, God. I think
1: you could have replaced that trope with a trope that makes a different amount of sense, right? Where you know, like Galadros is welcomed, you know what I mean? Like, would the wooden wanderer is like welcomed home, and everybody's treating him like like he was before he was an amnesiac and you have to kind of, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that would have made sense. And it's the, it's, you know, it's the same tropey stuff uh, as the nobody, you know, like nobody wants to, to talk about it, but I just didn't think there was a compelling enough reason for nobody to want to talk about it.
0: Yeah. I, I guess that's fair. I it did in some ways feel like kind of like the plot demanded it, but I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Oh, also,
1: like, by the way, I accept that that is just nitpicky bullshit. <laughs> but um and then we figured out the black arrows just kind of whatever
0: yeah uh is that still a that's still a prot thread that needs to resolve itself right
1: yeah technically speaking uh I think we've set up a plan but we haven't quite executed it yet and we'll see what happens um but um yeah the black arrows are actually kind of an interesting thing for me to be dealing with because uh part of you know, Part of this game is about me breaking from my typical stereotype, almost, of characters, right? Like, the first game that I played with Mark in this world, I literally took over the Black Arrows, and I I created this whole, like, system for how they were, like, organized, like, from a hierarchy perspective. Uh, and we led them as, like, an army and all this mass combat and everything. It was a lot of fun. I, I was a real big fan of all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, but I've been trying... But even though this character, like Kenzo, has a connection to the Black Arrows, I've been really trying hard not to fall back into that uh, same, like, you know, groove of of the plot, right? Like, and, uh, I don't know, to a certain extent, I think it's it's a little bit of, like, a catch-22, right? On one hand, I don't want Kenzo to follow the same path as Kombe did, right? Uh in taking over the Black Arrows and leading them. Uh, But on the other hand, I actually think it's kind of the more, first of all, I think it's the more, uh, it's kind of a little bit more in character for Kenzo. And also it makes for a better story for Kenzo since like basically his his whole story is about, you know, accepting, you know, taking on and accepting these responsibilities that he otherwise shirked for his entire life but maybe that's just me, me being too nitpicky about my own
0: characters. Yeah, maybe, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a neat stuff to be, to be dealing with. I'm, I'm enjoying that game. Oh, it seems like we are, I don't know if in the home stretch is accurate, but we are, we are, we are nearing, we, we are definitely on the back, the back half of that game.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, I think the honeymoon period is over. Uh, to a certain extent and so there's I don't know. I like this stuff more than the tournament, I guess.
0: Yeah, I feel um, like the tournament was neat, but like between scheduling, between scheduling stuff causing it to to drag on and just like the sheer amount of content in it. The tournament kind of really dominated this campaign.
1: Yeah, that's definitely true. And I also think that the conspiracy surrounding it was kind of too convoluted for its own good i was actually thinking about this earlier and it's like you know i actually kind of almost like the idea as like the tournament as elongated kind of dungeon but when you have this huge domineering you know tournament thing going on and then on top of it this ridiculously uh complicated conspiracy plot uh, you kind of one of those doesn't mesh, you're right? You either have to simplify the story half of it so that it can kind of survive not being dealt with like week to week to week to week, or you have to sacrifice, you know, this hardcore dedication to the tournament from a fight perspective.
0: Um, right. I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: I think I it, maybe, agree with you. On uh, that. Uh, but uh, you know, I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm not going to get Ben out of shape about it. I'm. I hear books four and five suck. Mark has said basically that he's removed them to to a certain extent. So, yeah, I, I, I
0: haven't that. I haven't gotten to them yet. My SF game because that game rarely, if ever, meets. Um, yeah, you guys
1: are just doing Wrath of the Righteous like all the time now.
0: Yeah, it's it's fun. Uh, well, part of it is that our 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 uh, fifth or sixth member who lives in the South Bay has been consistently available for the past four or five weeks. And so we've just been like, okay, we're we're freaking going for it. So we've pounded padded through some some nice stuff. Like the last weekend, the RP was pretty great. They caught a spy in the ranks, um, and dealing with that was neat. Um, especially because I I I love this love this ability. So the Justiciar Prestige class has an ability that they know the letter of the law, instantaneous or not instantaneously, but completely. And it updates itself instantaneously if new laws pass. Like one of their powers is just like complete knowledge of the law, um, and it's the class itself is actually kind of underwhelming in terms of the type of power it gives a character. Um, and it's it, it's a, it's a kind of like balls to the wall campaign. So I, I gave I gave that power to one of my characters on uh, essentially an item, a, a mythic item. It's it's part of the. It's part of the powers of the crossbow of the first justiciar, um, and it's great to kind of deal with those kind of legal, like, things, like, I kind of, like, I love sitting down and, like, dealing with, like, the, like, trying to figure out, like, the little, little things, like, how, how, like, a legal code would deal with, um, some of the kind of problems you, 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 that are a little bit different in a fantasy world, especially in one where, like, the law is being generated by what's essentially a monarch, um, Like, my personal favorite example of this is, like, they're fighting demons, and demons Mm. mind-control shit, so, um, and so, mind-control would probably be illegal, right, like, dominate person and compulsion effects, but it'd probably also be legal to use, like, truth-based compulsion effects, because that, that, you know, like, if, if, maybe if you had, like, the way I styled it was, like, you need a permit to be able to use truth-based compulsion effects, um, Another thing I think thought about, which I've I've just been like thinking about the details of this a little bit too much, is like, oh, well, would it then be illegal to prepare a mind control spell? It's like, well, not necessarily because you could use that to counter spell, so it wouldn't, you know. Well, that'd probably be a piece of case law. I don't know. I have a lot of fun with that kind of little world building pieces. I think maybe I'm alone in that, but I think that's a lot uh, of
1: fun. you know, I don't want I I suppose. The I get where you're coming from. See, I have a lot of fun from it from like an opposite perspective, right? I like I like solving uh, plot holes to a certain extent, right? Um, in in games with stuff like this, um, and making things that's like, well, you know, like how did this kind of thing work? I like that kind of minutia, but uh, I wonder if this would fall in that category. Um. See, I would probably end up making up all this shit up on the fly. I think there there wouldn't be the kind of, like, forethought or, like, rhyme or reason to it.
0: Um, it's, it's, part of it for me, too, is it's also a, I've got a paladin and a justiciar and a cleric of Abadar in the party. So it's also a tool in my toolbox to kind of steer the campaign a little bit, right? Like, to essentially cut off some options that would otherwise... Be a little bit, uh, essentially be like like, if if I prohibit mind control, I can affect the way that the game plays out in certain ways. Um, it causes some some neat uh interparty tension. Also, there's some there's some uh little table issues that are that that, that it helps kind of like result like you know like can I use dominate person on a party member? Well, you don't have to worry about that because it's illegal and you will fall if you do that. So <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Wow. That's, that's hardcore. Um, yeah, not, 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 that it's a problem yet, but I kind of foresee some of these things happening. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Like one of my players, they, they decided to execute the traitor, which is perfectly reasonable. Um, and then um, one of the one of the more goody two shoes paladins in the paladin army, just in the NPC, decided that they wanted to do burial rites, or whatever. Um, and one of the player characters was like, "I want the head so I can make a sentry skull." I'm like, "What? What? What are you? What is a sentry skull?" And I look at the, the spell. It's like Necrom- necromancy, evil. Like, no, <laughs> not <Wow>. only <laughs> you know. Jeez. The 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 paladin one wants to give the proper proper burial rights and two, you know, you can't cast that spell legally, um. So you know, it it, it helps with like like uh, stuff like that. I don't know. I think it's neat, but um,
1: yeah, I feel that. I think that is uh. I think that is that that is neat. I can see myself getting like into it. I didn't actually realize there was that much uh. Kind of oversight when it comes to the um, the world wound, you know. Like I, you know, this is I guess Pathfinder lore stuff, but I don't know. I, I, like the idea of there being legal st- ha- stuff happening up there is is oh interesting.
0: See, th- this kind of came into play because the character the character that is 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 a as um, a cavalier of the order of the scales and a follower of Abadar, and kind of was interested in the justiciar class um and so it kind of became part of that um and so part of it too is that there's there's mass combat um that happens and so there's like these events that happen with the army and like kind of dissension in the ranks type of stuff um and so i saw an opportunity to kind of pull it in um and it probably wouldn't have been there at all if if it hadn't been for for this what's supposed he's, he's he's before the main event of Wrath of the Righteous, which is a a, a big ol' um like uh, a demon attacks a city and it sunder[s] the city in twain. Essentially, uh, this happens in like moment three of the of the opening book. Before that, this <laughs> character is like essentially a police officer. Gotcha. It, um, okay. And if he hadn't been there, it wouldn't have this bent into it. But I think I, I think it's kind of nice to kind of try and play into those kind of neat character things and maybe I'm doing a little bit too much with this particular character um, but it's just kind of easy to do it with that Yeah, he's I mean, also I the general I feel the, of the army.
1: I, I feel the exact same way about uh, Hell's Rebels stuff right like it's easy for me to generate content for you know the, I, I was actually talking to Warren about this today of all things so I picked him up from the airport this morning um, the uh, it's easy for me to kind of like tie in uh, Rakax and you to the plot because you're very rooted in Kintargo and and in these two big establishment families uh, that it's it's really easy for me to t- kind of like inject stuff for like them to deal with right you know like Rakax's love interest is engaged to, you know, the leader of one of these bad organizations, right? That's that's not something I could do with Merigrug in the same way. Or it's not something I could do with, you know, uh, Alaric, right? Uh, and I actually had a, I had a hard time with Alaric. Alaric was the last one that I figured out, like what, you know, like what kind of where where I wanted to go with him. And I kind of ended up on this, um, you know, Elector Fortinax, his mentor comes to the university – and he's expelled from his faraway place where he... You know what I mean? That, that 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 only came to me like two weeks before I actually ran it in the game. Um, and so, you know, it's just kind of natural. It's also stuff like Jimmy's stuff won't hit until book three. Because his stuff is explicitly... Ravenel, right, the, the whole province, the countryside, right? Right. He he's very rooted in that stuff and that culture. And as soon as, you know, as soon as you guys break out of the city, because uh, you know, obviously book one is in the city, book two is in the city for the most part, uh and then in book three it becomes about gaining the support of the entire countryside on your side. Um all of a sudden he's gonna have a whole bunch of stuff to deal with uh, in a bigger, in a bigger way. Though, obviously, this whole subplot with the, uh, Coven of Lilith and these Beastmen in Kintargo is a little bit, uh, it's a little bit in there.
0: Yeah, no, I, I'm definitely enjoying, uh, thank you for all the work you've put in. It's been a neat ride so far with Hell's Rebels, which is a good way to segue into Hell's Rebels, because we also played that game this week. Um, and what did we do this week? We, we rescued some, uh, Rescued some, uh, what were they, like... Tiefling, yeah, Tia, the Tiefling, Tiefling pri- went-
1: prisoners. Right. Um, yeah, honestly, that map is supposed to be uh, the opening. You guys aren't even supposed to, like, form the Silver Ravens until you all collectively agree... Uh, to go to that place, that livery uh and in there you find out about the ravens because of like some stash or whatever, and are you know and that 's when you get the idea and so the idea is you don 't actually even found the ravens until you 're like at the end of level two uh almost and get into this other stuff, so this is a bit of the restructuring uh that I was uh talking about oh, before. Okay. Well, because, uh, you know, Gonder obviously isn't in the game, but as Gonder he's in the game as a different character with a different uh, agenda and motive. And it's kind of um, uh, the idea to start the Rebel Organization happens, like, kind of way later, um, which I obviously wasn't super keen on. So I changed around that beginning and then I used this map for... Uh, the Covenant of Lilith, because one of the things that bothered me about the original version of Hell's Rebels is that because it's written by six different people, there's a lot of different miniature things that happen uh, that are all really unconnected and just random. It's like filler episodes in an anime or something like that. And so, um, what I decided to do was instead I would have you know we would have this main plot uh, going along, and then kind of the sub like subplots that are um, linked together so that it all holds together in kind of a more cohesive, more cohesive way, but, yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, and so, uh, what were the other things that happened? We argued about what to do for a little while, um, there is some tension growing between, um, what appears to be, um, uh, the nobles, uh, Beauregard and Alric and uh, Rakax, um, kind of over the priorities of the Rebellion. And so we'll see how that plays out. That's going to happen uh not tomorrow. Um, the next day? Yeah. Well, it, will next hap- day it will happen tomorrow from the perspective of the listeners. That's true.
1: You're uh, right.
0: <laughs> uh, not that the listeners need to know that we're behind on a recording again. Um
1: well, we are not technically behind. This is the second episode. We yeah, just that, recorded is Batman, that is true. Superman On Tuesday.
0: Yeah, bonus uh, episodes. That was. Bon- yeah, exactly. That was. We're going above idea. and beyond for yeah. our for our listeners. Oh, right? of course, all the time. <laughs> um, um, but yeah,
1: I'm a little bit interested. I'm a little bit interested to see how that uh, that plays out.
0: Oh. Yeah, I am. I am too. Um, but uh, we also hit level three, which is also kind of a fun point for players. I feel because like. I feel like level 3 is right around when you really start to feel your character like like the the power of your character starts to fill in. Um Yeah, I feel that. And so I'm I'm excited <clears throat> to kind of play around with level 3 stuff. Um Although for me a lot of a lot of the cooler things for me happened at level 2. Um so I'm I'm happy and then the cooler stuff again happens at level 5. But it's it's all it's all it's it's all it's all gravy as they say
1: yeah it'll get neat for uh you know enoch unlocks his um uh the critical thing from the um jeez uh, what did i call that class the dreadnought the the critical uh strike on the challenge um enoch unlocks that uh this level so we'll you know i guess we'll see a little bit more i don't know i i'm i'm excited to see that class take off a bit just because it is my class obviously and, uh, I'm excited to see where you guys, uh, you know, where you guys go. I'm actually, I really like this, this Clenched Jaws thing. Uh, this Clenched Jaws one is something that I've been looking forward
0: to for a bit. Okay. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. I'm excited, too. But, uh, um, yeah, um... You been doing anything with video games this week, buddy?
1: Oof. I have. One that I actually want to talk a bit about, uh the banner saga i played the banner saga again because the banner saga 2 comes out in a week and i had no idea oh really I a week from like either. tomorrow i think um yeah and i fucking love the banner saga and it's, it's crazy because i love this game and i feel like nobody talks about it like you know there, there are certain there's certain of these games that come that people come back to all the time you know like uh people always reference the walking dead or people always reference you know gone home or whatever uh when it comes to kind of these indie games and uh I'm surprised that the Banner Saga floats under everyone's radar because the it's banner, so good. It's does,
0: so great. <laughs> I, I've always remembered banner, banner Saga as being one of, like, the early big Kickstarter successes, which it was, and it was excellent for that. Yeah. But was was Walking It's not really an indie game. It's made by, like, Telltale, which is an ancient uh, adventure game studio.
1: I mean, just in the sense of... Uh, uh, I mean, yeah, sure, fair enough, but it has it has indie game aesthetics more. It has more in common with the indie games than it does with you know, AAA. I don't really know that I would call it one way or the other. I don't, I don't know if I, I agree don't agree think I don't you, think, day, it's I think it kind of defines, Yeah. No, but my point is, I think it kind of defies that classification of either your AAA or your you know the, uh, the Square Enix put out Life is Strange, which is basically a. You know the exact same version of uh, uh, of game like The Walking Dead, uh, and you know that's a AAA company putting out an indie aesthetic game. I
0: would say. I, I I don't know if I agree that that adventure games are automatically indie aesthetic, which is what seems.
1: It's not. It's not that they're automatically. It's just that if we're going to talk about it in one in one context or another kind of thing, I don't know. I think I definitely think that it's. Uh. I don't know. I think that that's, I guess, that it's that it's that 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 kind of diaspora is something that ta- gets talked about in the scene. It's kind of like how you know, like you have blockbuster films and you have Oscar bait, right? Oscar bait is meant to look like indie art house stuff, right? But it's still being made by Warner Brothers and Walt Disney. You know what I
0: mean? Yeah, I don't. Okay. Um, I I think this might be like. We're not talking about this now, but I think we might might have to agree to disagree on this one for now because I don't really have deep arguments for that. It just feels wrong to me.
1: Okay, well, but, the other half of yeah. this, uh, the other, I mean the other reason I'm kind of clumping these together in my mind is because uh, the Banner Saga is a really great example of an ideal that exists in my you know in my brain you know because we, we talk about it all the time with the cast right like we talk about this b- divide between uh games as art quote unquote and games as skill and even in our discussions we tend to favor it in almost this context of games as skill are about mechanics right and very little and very little story you know narrative any of that kind of stuff um and or games as sport rather and games as art are all about um Story, you know what I mean, and character, and all of the, and you know, like mechanics and stuff, just contributes to shitty things like ludonarrative dissonance or whatever. And I think that the perfect version um, of a game isn't isn't made that way. You know, like I think that there's uh, there's a version of a game like a you know like like a Mass Effect two, like a Banner Saga that has a whole bunch of mechanics, but also tells a compelling story with. Interesting three dimensional dynamic characters, right? Uh, and that kind of gets lost in in the conversation about this stuff a lot, right? Like we, you know, I feel like people let this is this is part of my problem with indie games, I guess. Is really what I'm getting. at. I feel like people let these games off the hook a little bit. Um, your, you know, your Gone Homes and your Dear Esther's uh, for their lack of mechanics. When to me, it's kind of like. And I know you're going to hate this comparison because we've talked about this before, but to me, it's kind of like a film willfully having no like a completely bland cinematography. Um, it's just like it's it's a very potent tool that is available to developers, and they're intentionally avoiding it. Uh, for you know for whatever reason and the answer isn't to avoid these right the answer isn't to avoid mechanics and to pretend that you know mechanics aren't important to your game and don't foster in engagement and don't uh, reinforce kind of the point of whatever the story is coming across the point is is that these two things synthesize into a better version and I think the banner saga is like the best man I think it's so good it's probably my game from that year like my game of the year from yeah, that
0: year No, I definitely feel it I think part of that synthesis is why I like um bastion so much because um, I, I feel like it it accomplishes that well as as well that kind of like be like the kind of immersion into the character um i def, I definitely feel you there um but yeah ban Baner Saga too. Probably will be interesting, i like i I had no idea it was coming out until you know you, you told me about it right I just did, I so. had no idea
1: about it until like two or three weeks ago um, when something i you know I must have just seen like an off reference on like Twitter or something or you know like maybe on reddit just like one of these uh these places where I train myself to intake vast quantities of information and filter it for stuff that's useful and hey having yeah. the banner saga 2 come out that's useful information. Uh it's nice replaying the banner saga because I didn't really, I didn't quite realize how bad I was at the game the first time. Um to a certain extent uh like I the combat is a lot easier once you like get it and I've to, I've 2 I've min maxed it a lot um to situations where you know my characters aren't dying or getting injured in these fights because uh I know, you know, the most, you know, picking off those two-handed dredge that are carrying those massive, massive weapons is, like, by far the most important thing to do. And once you get them down, uh, it's it's pretty easy to kind of clean up everyone else without without too much trouble.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I never finished the game. I I played it for a little while, and I thought it was a good game. I just never got around to to, to finishing it out.
1: That happened to me when I first got it. I played it for you know like a day or two, but then I just kind of dropped it for something else, probably league because I'm terrible about uh combining games with league and uh but then I just kind of came back to it one day. Uh, it also helped by the way that I took two days off from work because I had maxed out on my time off uh, and I just needed to burn it a little bit and so I didn't really have any you know I didn't
0: really have anything to do so
1: I uh I played through the banner soccer again.
0: Yeah, that's always it's always a good way to spend your time off is burning through neat games. Um this week I also played an indie game. Very different indie game. Um have you heard of Enter the Gungeon? Yes. Oh man, everybody's talking about it. Yeah, no, I it's uh I, it's by Dodge Studios, I believe, and it's published by Devolver Digital. Love Devolver Digital. They publish all of those, all of these great weird games that I love to play around with. I think they published Hotline Miami. They, uh, oh, wow. they published, um, Had a Full Boyfriend, um, and, so, and just, a, a ton of really cool games. I, I, I really adore them as a publisher. Um, but, uh, this game is great cause I, I love roguelikes. Um, I actually, I have never played the original rogue, but I have, I've spent a lot of hours playing. Um, NetHack, which is kind of like the the second the spiritual successor to Rogue. It's like an open source, uh, a text based game that you can use with tiles. sets. I use with tile sets because I'm I'm not hardcore enough to to play with ASCII characters. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, and it's just this brutal. Like, you know, are you familiar with roguelikes, buddy? Yeah, don't definitely.
1: Uh, I'm less. I guess I am less familiar compared to, uh, uh, compared to you or a lot of the internet. I like stuff, you know, like, I like stuff that is roguelike, like, -like, you know, like procedurally generated
0: permadeath games, like FTL, but, uh... Yeah, um, and so, uh, Under the Gungeon kind of, instead of having, like, the, you know, a a pure roguelike is kind of turn-based when you, you know, no one, everybody is frozen on the screen, and when you move... Al the monsters get a turn and everything kind of resolves that way. Um, well, this is kind of like more in the vein of um, pretty close, like Binding of Isaac or Rogue Legacy. Um, even though it's a different perspective than Rogue Legacy, but like it's it's a kind of free action combat and you're firing your gun and you're shooting and you're you're dodging around. You're, you're trying to, it's it's like a bullet hell meets a rogue like, and it's so neat to me. I just love it. It it feels good. The mechanics are all very solid. There's, like, a a gazillion different funny little guns. Like, there's a T-shirt cannon that fires T-shirts at your enemies and knocks them back super hard. There's a, uh, there's, like, a water pistol that mostly just, like, makes people wet and doesn't do much. Um, there's your basic weapon that kind of, you know, just, you know, it, it doesn't work great, but, like, it'll get the job done. Um... And it just kind of has that great like meaty procedurally generated exploration bits that um I really love about roguelikes and the bosses are well designed. Um and the animation's really good too, so that that, that always helps. There's these and uh I think my favorite part is just how tongue in cheek the whole game is about itself. Oh boy. If there's
1: anything that's gonna that's gonna
0: make Mango happy. Uh, tongue it's, in cheek. <laughs> so the 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 dungeon is a is a dungeon of guns and like everything is a gun. The enemies are all bullets. The the elevator that you ride down in is a uh is like a shell that opens up for like a a a giant like gun-shaped or like shell-shaped meteor crashed into the earth the site that's like the the story and everything is everything's been like mutated into guns. Um it it's just so silly and up its own it's up up its own ass about it it's, it's' it's great like uh it's it's like the one of the first bosses is like a raven wielding a machine gun which i think is supposed to be a a like a reference to metal Gear solid um <laughs> um but it's it's just so it's so uh it's it's so it doesn't take itself super seriously in in that way but the the there's supposed like the, the plot is that you're trying to like shoot your past or something and i think there's a deeper story there but i haven't quite gotten it but every time you die um a crosshair made of bullets appears and it like spins like a clock and then it like aligns to a time and then shoots you so i think that that's gonna be a bigger part of it but I, i'm excited to play more of it um wow jeez, okay um, the other thing I've been doing is I've been boning up on my Dark Souls lore, because Dark Souls 3 comes out, uh, when the, the, cast goes up, uh, today. And so I need to be ready, I need to know how to praise the sun properly for Dark Souls 3. Um, because the lo- I, I have, something I appreciate about this game is that the lore isn't, the lore is all told in items, and so it lets people, when the lore is told like sideways and not directly it lets people theorize and kind of and there's a lot of gaps that the players kind of have to theorize about and fill in i appreciate that aspect of it that you know not everything not everything is known about uh is about the universe because a lot of it's intentionally vague right like a lot of the mass effect universe is very well fleshed out um and kind of set in stone and that's that's great like that's Good for a, a, a complete story in that way, but what it doesn't do is have people years later theorizing about, you know, oh, who's who's Gwyn's first son? Um, stuff like that, and, and, trading, and trading theories back and forth and arguing about that kind of thing, um, which is something I appreciate about the Dark Souls series. I don't know. I cuz I to a certain
1: extent I appreciate that. I like it a lot when it comes to uh Five Nights at Freddy's. I'm really into the, like the Five Nights at Freddy's lore and the theories um behind kind of everything and how these games fit together and how they work. Uh I don't man, I don't know that I like the idea of just like a story told through items when it comes to a western RPG like Dark Souls. Dark Souls I don't know. isn't western. Well, no, I, I okay. So I understand that it's made by a Japanese developer. I just oh, uh, you it mean. is like it it behaves like a Western RPG rather than a
0: JRPG. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Um, uh,
1: I don't know. I don't know how I uh, how I feel about that. Um, also, my understanding is that the Dark Souls itself doesn't have much of a de- see. Because the weird part about it to me is like. You know, like, things happening in uh, in Five Nights at Freddy's are stilted and weird because that game is all about these jump scares and anticipation, right? And all of that kind of stuff. But a game like Dark Souls is inherently... And this is why, you know, this is just kind of why Western RPGs are so often keyed, I guess, to these uh, to these narratives, right? Because you have your, you know, your hero... And he levels up and he gets stronger and stronger and stronger, and then he beats, you know, he beats the final boss. That's a very classic hero's, st- like, story, right? But it's mirrored directly in the level up, getting better, more items, more skills gameplay of a Western RPG. So the idea of decoupling those two things is, uh, it's all, it's, it's like simultaneously, like, interesting and. Ooh, like, oof, geez, yeah. I don't know that. It, you know what I mean? Like, it—it's one of those like weird things that might not work out if I saw it happen on paper. This is also fueled by what we talked about last week, where I never see anybody talk about this stuff. Right? Anytime anybody's mentioning Dark Souls, they're talking about it because the gameplay is super hard and the boss fights are, you know, like unforgiving. But if you stick with it, right, all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I've the more. The reason that I, I started getting into the lore is because the type of people that play Dark Souls will will like be like, yeah, and that lore, though and be like, what about that lore? It's like, oh, man, you don't know. You don't know about, like, the craziness here. And I think part of it is that, like, the surface story, like, the story that's, that is directly told to you is kind of simple, but it's also, like, it doesn't, like, explain to you the motivations behind a lot of what's happening. And you kind of have to piece that together yourself. Um... That's actually why I'm excited to play Dark Souls 3, because it's got, like, it's got some of the same locations as the first one, and that implies a a lot of weird stuff about the, um, about how the world works, and, and, like, what's been theorized about how the second game slots into it, so I'm, I'm kind of curious as to, you know, what, what's gonna come out of this game, I, you know, I'm just super excited to, to, to see it all, um, even though i i haven't experienced most of it firsthand most of it's been like these youtube videos of crazy people ranting about like what is what is king seeker king, king seeker Frampt really up to um on that kind of jazz yeah
1: fair enough uh well now that we've burned 40 minutes yeah, on right. you know <laughs> on that stuff um ultimate intrigue
0: yeah. game so and, uh Exists this week? We're going to go over the non-vigilante archetypes and the feats section because uh, that's the next thing to do. When it's very crunchy, and it's very neat. Uh, mm. Yeah, there's a lot of crunch. Uh, so
1: you know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of these. We're obviously not going to get to all of them, um, but I'm, I'm I guess I'm down to do the almost. Uh, uh, some of the stuff that we did a little bit last time. Um, one of them, which happens to be the very first one, which is why I'm talking about it first, is the Alchemical Sapper, which is awesome. I actually really like yeah. this class. Um, it is a an alchemist class where you're, you can use your... Your bombs, which you typically like create and then lob and then throw, Uh, you can create kind of trip mines with them, and you or like not even trip mines, just actual things that you you know demolish uh, when you want to. Um, And I just think it's such a cool class, and it's 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 totally a class that I could see myself uh, play because first of all, I really like the the uh, the alchemist. I've always wanted to play. uh, I've always wanted to play an alchemist and it just looks so fun from kind of like a micromanaging like spaces and trying to trick people into triggering trip mines and stuff like that um I don't know I li- I like it a lot I think it's uh I definitely think it's a super neat class
0: oh yeah I I so I, I personally really like kind of classes designed around you know not just doing whatever they do but also kind of like fucking with the environment right like this is the kind of class, this is the kind of class that you like, you know, well, we need to get in, we need to get into this, for, the front door is really guarded, well, let's just, why don't we blow a hole in the wall, and like, that. that's what this class is kind of designed to do, yeah. right, like, is, is kind of explore those kind of weird, uh, th- those non-standard options that you don't, you know, like, th- that kind of, I think, in my mind, make D&D kind of shine as compared to, say, their, their video game comparators, right, like, well... Why don't we do this thing that, you know, is kind of off the rails? It's like, well, I've I've got a thing that's capable of blasting through walls, so why not? Let's go for it. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: yeah, and I just, I think to a certain extent, uh, some of these are cool. And, like, you know, he gets that thing that people get where you get half your level two skills, right? But his are knowledge engineering, craft stonemasonry, and craft traps. You know, it's just like... I could really see myself oh, get yeah. uh, get down and dirty with a class like this, um, and just finding camouflage bomb, uh, and uh, and and selective detonation. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm uh, um, just
0: imagining this being one of one of your cigar chopping characters. It's Like, yeah, we're gonna need a, a de- detonation charge up in here, just kind of oh, rough. You know,
1: oh man, now that you said that, I th- I would just play him exactly like the. Uh, is he French? I don't think he's French. I think he's, like, Australian or something. Oh, from, uh, His, From, from Atlantis like the Lost yeah, Empire, yeah. 100%. He's like, oh, bridge, you know, uh, like... Hey, I made a
0: bridge.
1: <laughs> hey, I made a bridge. I love that
0: guy. Yeah, I think, yeah.
1: First of all, I think that movie's underrated and awesome. Second of all, I think that guy is hilarious. Yeah,
0: that guy's guy my favorite <laughs> character from that movie. Uh, Whoa. Oh, wow!
1: Look at that. You and I agreeing on agreeing on stuff. Oh no! Oh no! no, oh, no. Oh, the apocalypse is upon us. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> A singularity just opened halfway between L.A. and, and San Francisco. Oh, Man, uh, the next archetype is interrogator, which does something that is simultaneously interesting, but I also I never want to do it. Uh, these injections. Do you do you like dislike the uh, the injections?
0: Yeah, um, like I think it like. I like the idea, but I'm not convinced on the execution. Essentially, like I, I think it's I think it's a cool idea that you like as, like I, I, this kind of screamed, um, NPC archetype to me. Oof, one hundred percent agree. Like I, I, just don't see a player being able to kind of, uh, being able to like use this effectively, um, in, in a normal game. Um, that get- is
1: totally how I – I cannot believe that it
0: actually replaces uh,
1: – that these injections replace bombs. That seems nuts to me um, because they're. it's just – they're so weak. You know, like it's – the bomb is a huge – it's what – you know, I guess if I was playing a uh, kind of like – uh, a hulk version of the alchemist where i'm focusing on my mutagens and stuff like this i wouldn't necessarily mind but it's just it seems incredible to me that they
0: lose their bomb oh to they, get they lose their injections. mutagen too that the serums replace the mutagen
1: oh yeah i guess you're right i didn't even what, yeah i don't know i don't know who would ever play this class it's really interesting it's really neat i think it's a cool idea but jeez
0: yeah. You'd have to be a brave man to uh you'd have to be a brave man to play this. Yeah, I mean, <coughs> excuse me. I think the uh like I I think the fantasy is definitely there, right? Like the kind of like mad scientist that like compels things to do his bidding with uh with you know like these these kind of like uh al- alchemical like concoctions. But like I I like I said I just don't see I just don't. I don't see like it. I, I can see it working, I guess, in a particular campaign, like designed to take it like an, a heavily intrigue based campaign rather yeah. than a, than your typical dungeon delve style campaign. I think it could work, but um, I, I just I, I think it's it, it's a very niche archetype, more niche than most archetypes typically are.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, that that I'm definitely I'm definitely with you there. Uh, I don't have any particular thoughts on the metamorph. Uh, oh, I thought it was really neat. Okay. I I,
0: re- I actually really liked it. Um, Can you
1: sell me on the Metamorph? Um, I, I this, is, this is by the way is it kind of another one of those classes where I kind of felt like it it gave up too much for too little.
0: Um, so I I kind of liked it as kind of like this kind of like again for the fantasy that is like um you know like you know the the kind of like self tinkerer the person that like you know, tries to become, like, more, more beast than man type of, type of deal, um, and I think that you, like, the, the idea of that, like, you, you jump into combat is kind of like this, like, when combat arises, you, you kind of change into something else, and like, that's how you fight it out, I thought that was super neat to me, um,
1: Okay I, I don't enough, know if I can give I you anything
0: beyond that right like like the picture in the book is definitely of that metamorph archetype and I, that's just like idea is so cool to me
1: I guess that's fair uh, i i see uh, I see where you're getting at when it comes to when it comes to this uh I guess I haven't actually read uh you know I'll look at I, I've never seen the monstrous physique spells if maybe the monstrous physique spells will sell this on me uh, now that I'm looking at the uh, now that I'm looking at the details,
0: yeah. Oh, well, th- now that now that I'm re re-reading it again, uh, maybe there's just not enough uses of this thing to be. May- maybe that's that might be a flaw that like you, know, you only get one use until level four. And you give up. You give up all of um, bombs, extracts, and mutagens for that. Um, I did not real. I actually gonna admit that I did not realize that that. Like, what do you get? Besides that...
1: Well, you still get... So, so you still get mutagen, I think. Right,
0: right. You're, you're yeah, so in. you...
1: Yeah, you get mutagen anyway, uh, but you lose bombs and extracts, which I think is rough. That's... That's rough. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, I guess the this monstrous physique thing is pretty okay-ish. It makes you tougher, you know, makes you more powerful. You get a size bonus on your strength and plus two to natural armor, um... Uh, as a a medium monstrous humanoids, and you could do things like fly speed or climb speed or swim speed. So, you know, it's not the end of the world. Uh... Yeah. And then, well, actually, now that I see, actually, this is actually kind of secretly sweet, uh, because so at ninth level, you can start doing some cool stuff where you take on large monstrous humanoids, Um, you get to, and do you get all the way up to, uh, yeah, you get all the way up to Monstrous Physique 4, uh, which is a 6th level spell, obviously. Uh, you get all the way up to Monstrous Physique 4, which allows you to be a huge, monstrous humanoid. That's crazy! You could be huge, it's, it's a, wow! Wait, when, when, when do you get huge? Uh, you get huge at 13th level. Yeah, no, you get no you get huge at 11th level holy shit. I think that's pretty cool. That is actually super neat. I am I am for this. I admit I just didn't even read that part at this time uh, at the uh, at the start of this. I also don't know what giant form does, but I suppose giant form it, it turns you into a giant. Probably which is kind of awesome. Wow that's actually that is, okay I take it all back. That's a super neat class. It's like wild shape but for monstrous humanoids. that Wow that's neat. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be a class I would play, because I wouldn't like burn my. Al- I really want to play like a bomby alchemist. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, oh man, I could actually totally see myself play a class like that though. That is so cool. Anyway, um, bard stuff. None of this bard stuff interests me.
0: Oh, <laughs> no, bards fucking suck. <laughs> uh, so, like looking at it, looking at it, like there's a couple classes like this which are like messengers. Like there's there's one for the ranger I think too. It's like, like that that's really like a a, a thing. Like you know like, yeah like yeah. I, I, like the, I guess they have to be very NPC. Like they're probably NPC ish. I guess, but it's like like well, got bonuses when they're delivering them. Like like what is? Well, so
1: to a certain extent, I actually think that stuff is interesting. Uh, like you know, like uh, a campaign that I've always kind of wanted to run. And I'm I'm not saying this just because I played the Banner Saga, but it's definitely on my mind. It's like a very caravani kind of campaign, um, where you know it is a lot about travel. You know, it's it's a lot about traveling from day to day and from place to place and moving uh, across a landscape and tracking across a map. Right? Uh, it's one of you know like one of those campaigns where like you know like every you know every day there's a chance for a random encounter kind of things and people you're meeting on the road and uh, I I think that stuff is su super cool and I would love love uh to do a hardcore campaign along those lines um and I think you could maybe sell me on an impervious messenger in that sense yeah um, like the the lore of that would fit so well like on a you know like on a you know oh is he gonna you know, is he going to spill what? What is the you know what is the message kind of thing, right? Like, we need we need to move quick, cool, wonderful. At eighth level, we get unbroken stride, which allows us to use bardic performances to make us you know move move fast, kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, the the the, the one thing I don't like about some like the, this these particular classes is um kind of what it implies by the memory mechanics, like they're like. Like like the, these these type of archetypes have all have these kind of mechanics to memorize something, which makes sense in kind of in in its own sense, but it also like it, it's also a weird kind of thing from a gameplay perspective because that's something that's that's inherently also gonna be tied to the the player's ability to remember something. Like I don't think I've ever. Denied a player, like if a player was like, I don't remember what that was. Can you tell me? I've never be like, well, I guess your character doesn't remember then. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that and, and, a little a pl- stickler-y. And, and on the flip side of that, I would never be like if the player is like, well, I remember he said that this, and I am never gonna be like, well, your character doesn't remember that because he's not smart. Like, like who does that, right? And this yeah. kind of this kind of mechanic kind of implies that has to happen at some level, I guess, and, and that's not something I am a huge fan of.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely with you
0: there. Um, and and I guess it's not so powerful that you're like really cutting like it's not so much of this class's power budget that you're really cutting cutting down their their power by not making that a mechanic. But I don't know. Yeah, yeah I actually I actually think that this one
1: is more balanced uh kind of in like the i think the uh the sapper is also very balanced in like the power budget reads to me as basically the exact same i don't really think you you know you still have the um uh, you still have the big ones inspire courage and, and inspire heroism right you just you learn you lose the ones that people don't really use as often uh fascinate suggestion dirge of doom uh, which seems fine to me right like to replace out kind of the b and c list options for you uh to gain different b or c list options you know no, yeah, that, yeah that's, that's kind of like no problem to me at all
0: yeah um the mass performers need I think, because it's kind of got, like, that, uh... It's kind of got, like, it, it, it uses the Vigilante rules for the multiple personalities. Um, I'm sorry, did you want to say anything else about the Impervious Messenger? No, nope, the just...
1: Impervious me- yeah, I'm fine with that.
0: Um, I, think, I think it's neat to kind of, like, bring it in like that, um, to bring in the, some of those uh, Vigilante mechanics into some of the other classes with, like, the... The dual identity, but I think that that's mostly what this class is. It's like... It's, yeah, it's, and the thing is, the two identities aren't
1: actually separate, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. you know, one of them is... Uh, I, I can't think of a good example. You know, one of them is uh, Boogie2988, and the other one is Francis. Yeah, right? Everybody knows they're the same person, um, which I kind of feel like to me it's a little bit like, what the point? What's the point? But, you know, they if you want to play
0: a, a fusion... If you want to play, go for if it. you want to play Stephen Colbert, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great example. Um, I, I think it's a neat fantasy. Don't know how it would uh play out and kind of like play. Um, uh, did you have anything to say about? The I like I like the ringleader a bit,
1: but uh, honestly. It kind of uses mechanics that are covered in the feats, I guess, so I don't necessarily... You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to go nuts on the ringleader. I, I like the ringleader, but you can, do, you can play the ringleader just by taking the right feats, is my thing with it. Uh, so... Yeah. Yeah. I actually do like... I like the fantasy of the Sorrow Soul a little bit more than the actual mechanics of it. Um... But you know the idea of a bard who's it kind of empowered by grief, rage, and tragedy, is uh, is something I can kind of get behind. Um, yeah. Um, the the mechanics are basically uninteresting to me, though. I thought
0: the mechanics are kind of interesting because it's like you've kind of given up the teamwork aspect to be kind of like this, uh, very uh, what's it? This kind of very emo, kind of like you know. No one understands me. Not even yeah, my party.
1: The, this is the dashboard confessional of classes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I definitely like. Uh, I, I I guess I like that to a certain extent. Giving up my teamwork focus so that I can I can be the better uh, performer. That's kind of that's kind of cool. I guess.
0: Yeah, but you know, I, I think it's I I, I think it's I, I think it's neat in that way that you've kind of got this. That you've got, you've got your, the emo bard. It was that's what Pathfinder was really missing—a way for NXT teens to express themselves. Yeah, for real. Um, and I think wit is neat, but it relies a lot on these later kind of like verbal verbal duels duel rules. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, uh, I've looked a bit at these rules. Hint, hint. I don't like them all that much, but uh, you know that that we'll we'll get into that stuff later. Yeah, I uh, suppose.
0: I've got issues with. Uh, um, with kind of all of these archetypes that appear in these books that kind of are like or is really good at the optional systems presented at the back of the book because yeah. because they're optional systems they're not written into most of the content mm-hmm. and like they don't get used uh a lot, and so I don't know I feel like they well i guess I guess like the the intention makes sense i just I just don't think that i, I just never feel them to be particularly compelling' cause it's like Good at the thing that may or may not ever happen. Yeah. All right.
1: Uh When it comes to, I actually like a lot of these Cavalier archetypes. I do too. My favorite one actually is in here. But uh, the Courtly Knight, th- this is one to me where I actually think these vigilante Mechanics make a lot of sense and are pretty cool. Um, when it comes to this um, social presence idea, I actually kind of like the idea of someone, you know, who's... A uh, chival, you know, like a, a courtly chivalrous, sp- you bluffy diplomacy knight, uh, on one hand, but also like a fighter and like a warrior on the other hand, right? Uh, I think that kind of is is
0: neat. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like the uh, the kind of like court, no, like the puffy court noble with the with the uh, martial skill to back it up.
1: Yeah, and I definitely think that the uh and I definitely think that it's very power neutral because it just replaces the tactician uh tree basically, which you know, I think tactician is powerful definitely and you you know, you're definitely giving something up, but you're you're de- you're getting real bonuses, right? Uh these these kinds of stuff turn they just turn you into a face.
0: Um So, yeah, there's that. Um Daring General I love this archetype. This is legit my favorite archetype. Okay, cool. Can we get <laughs> this is my favorite.
1: I read this archetype and I was like, "Holy Christ, what an awesome fucking yeah, right?
0: archetype. I would love I'd love to play this like <laughs> yeah, the uh the the general lawman that I was talking about, um he's going to take this archetype cuz he's like right at the level where it would start kicking in."
1: Oh, no way. Oh, that's
0: so cool. Yeah, I see that oh. It's so cool, um, and, and if your campaign has mass combat in it, you get like to use your army as a mass. You get to use your like your your literal army as as a as an army in the game. It's oh, it's so cool to me. It's it's so oh man. Um, I think the thing
1: that I like a lot about it is uh, it makes for uh, using your followers from like the leadership feet right like a lot of times people play with leadership disabled right because it's got a lot of weird connotations on on stuff but I actually like the idea of like a mastermind character um, who who is built to fight with his cohorts and with his followers in in a battle I actually think that's awesome um, I don't know I think uh, I I love this I love this archetype so much I want to play this so bad
0: mm no it's it, it's definitely it's definitely up there. I can see it becoming a little bit odious um because this class gets three cohorts um and so that means like when the when it comes time for battle, one of your players gets four turns to everybody else's one um so that I that might be a little bit. Uh That's
1: kind of fair to a certain extent. Um, I think that, I mean, if it was me, I would have everybody just act on the same initiative in that kind of animal companion sense. Like, I understand that obviously, you know, that's not how it should work in kind of an ideal systemic way. uh, But I just don't I I just can't be I can't care enough uh, because it's. It's so cool. I like that you can assign them like little classes, like footmen and honor guard. I think that's so neat. I would actually love almost an expansion uh, of that kind of stuff. I like the idea of, like, you know, if I have uh, if my followers are swordsmen, they're one kind of thing. If they, you know, carry great axes, they're another. If they, you know, like that kind of stuff, I think is really neat and interesting. I don't know. There's a lot to this class that I just really,
0: really like. Yeah, I, I feel like the. The, uh, like, the non-cohort followers, I think I would, like, are probably not going to make an appearance in most combats, um, just kind of, like, because they're going to be, like, super far underleveled, and that's just, like, a, a whole nother level of, like, mooks, um, I don't know. that That's fair, I suppose. Uh, I also think that you get a ton of
1: followers from the leadership feed. Yes, you do. Um... If you kind of build it right, though so I've never really seen anybody attempt to build it right, I suppose. And then I don't really have anything to say all that much about the Hussar. Their mount is faster and more maneuverable, just which is exactly agile and maneuverable cavalry.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like exa- it's exactly what it wants to be. Um, it's fine for what it is, but it's not really special. Um,. If that makes sense,
1: yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, same thing with these druid. Uh, actually, there's one of these druid archetypes that I, li- I like a whole bunch. But um, the the first two, the face speaker and the skin shaper, um, you know, I I kind of didn't realize that face speaker wasn't kind of an archetype. You know, like I always yeah. think of druids as being very connected to face stuff, and I didn't really realize how Unconnected they were until I read through this archetype.
0: Yeah, and I, I think it's it's totally good at what it wants to be, which is you know, fake stuff. There's a couple feats that support it too. Um, and skin shapers is like just the the the, the, the freaking description using the same primal energy which other druids assume animal forms shapers can imitate some of the most dangerous beasts of all, humans and other humanoids. <laughs> the most dangerous game. Um. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: I, you know, I like this class actually. In fact, I actually think that this, um, I actually think that this class is kind of like a more perfect version of wild shape almost. Uh, I actually don't like wild shape where you just become the thing. I actually like a version of wildscape where it's wild shape or something like okay, you know, at eighth level if you wild shape, um, you can gain you know dark you know like dark vision, low light vision, scent, climb and all, climb and fly and all this kind of stuff um, by assuming you know like if they take the fly speed, oh great, they're you know like they're a falcon kind you know what I mean like that kind of stuff. Okay, I, I think, think that the the actually uh, adopting of, like, like monsters is not great game design.
0: Yeah, so I, I so I think it's kind of like, for, for the actual adopting the monster, I think it's, like, kind of, like, two-sided for me. I think they tried to, like, um, split the difference too much. There's a lot of powerful animal abilities out, or, like, monster abilities out there um, that I think would be cool to be able to temporarily have access to. But the the nature of wildship locks most of those away from you, right? The coolest abilities are never on the list of things you get to do if you are like in in that form, um, and so it kind of it's 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 kind of saddening, right? Like you get you don't get to like use the more like you know like uh like uh, what's what's the like the the like the screech the screeching plant I can't freaking remember the name of it the uh, Mandragora, maybe. You know what I'm talking about? Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah, like
0: I think this isn't it like a weird Hydra thing. Um, it, it's 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 not like th- there. This applies to any number of things. You don't get the coolest abilities from the monster because those are all like very specific abilities that aren't included in the abilities you get off of the off of the spell shape, um, or or, or off of the, the 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 polymorph spell, and so it kind of makes them less. It makes it makes those spells less, uh, less fun. I think, I think it, it makes sense because you have to kind of, for power budget reasons, limit it. But I think a version that lets you get all of those powers for a much shorter period of time would be neat. If that, that makes is, sense.
1: Yeah, you know, that is, I guess that is pretty sweet.
0: Um, and I, I, I think I agree with you that, like, this kind of, like, pushes it more in the other direction, which is more generalized kind of benefits, um, which is also a good way to do it. Like I said, I, th- I think the way that the base does it kind of splits the difference a little too much. Because um, I do think that there's some value to the fantasy of, like, turning into a bear and, like, bearing shit up. But uh,
1: Yeah, no, I definitely, yeah. So I definitely agree that there's value to that fantasy. I just think it's kind of, like, imperfectly represented when it comes to uh, the actual, yeah. Um, you know, sentences and words of the ability. Um, but then this one I like a lot. The next one, the U- Urushial, I guess. No, really? Um, I, I
0: just kind of looked at it. It's like, oh, that's that's the Poison version. But yeah, go, go convince me.
1: It's it, Well, you know, so I'm, I don't necessarily know that I want to try and, like, hardcore convince you. I just think that it's, like, neat. This is a version of a druid that, you know, you would kind of think of, but nobody... Th- like thought of right like what happens if i'm a druid that specifically you know focuses on uh the you know poisons in nature right like i just wanted to become a lot like the you know like those tropical frogs or whatever in the amazon rainforest Um, and i actually think that they do uh do poisons a good amount of justice um, because the poisons do, you know, it's a very straightforward poison. It just does a little bit of strength damage uh, with, uh, with, you know, a DC keyed to your level and your wisdom modifier. Uh, You have a couple of doses per day that you can use in a variety of ways. And later on you can, you know, you can spend two doses to, you know, secrete what a contact poison, um, or you can use one to create a cloud of of poison and stuff like that. I just think that's I think that's pretty cool. And I think if anybody is looking for like that poisoner uh, archetype, right? Stuff like the uh, the dagger mark poisoner doesn't hit the mark for me, but something like the shield Urushi, does.
0: Yeah, you know what? I I think I think I think you're right. Right? Like this is. A very good version of, of a lot of like the poisoning stuff. I didn't realize it until you pointed it out, but like having the DC scale with level as opposed to scale with like nothing. Where for like the older style <laughs> poisons, yeah, like that yeah. was that's always the biggest complaint. Is like because they are resources purchased with gold, the DCs can't really scale, um, and so they're not they're not great. Um, yeah, yep, um, and having it kind of tied to like your. I guess your, your poison frog totems or whatever, you know, I, I, think that, I think that's cool. Um, I'd like to see a system kind of like, um, kind of like the way that, I, I guess Mark handled, like, kind of modification to the dagger mark poisoner, which is like, you take it out of the gold pool by, essentially, the dagger mark poisoner gets, like, a box worth of poisons from the guild as a class feature, and then you can have those scale, because it's not tied to gold, any- gold anymore. I'd like to see something like that for, uh, for rogues or even like a like um like a, a weird poison touched version of a rogue which is like you know was affected by poison or something and now secretes poison from their skin. Like this this I think this skill set on a rogue would be neat. Like the like like these specific mechanics, these toxic secretion mechanics. Um
1: Yeah, I mean I definitely think um yeah, I definitely agree with you.
0: Um, I also I like... Because this was... I, I agree with my own point, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also like that it replaces Nature Bond, because then you don't have to worry about animal companions. Um, I mostly like being, like, kind of... Like, having archetypes that kind of, like, force you to not deal with, like, some some of what can be the more odious mechanics...
1: Yeah, I definitely feel you there. Like, I—I I mean, obviously, the Dreadnought is entirely a class built on this, um, or a, an archetype built on this, uh, and removing that mount from the class.
0: Mm. All right, uh, Inquisitor stuff. Um, I think the the Inquisitions are whatever. Like, the Inquisitions are fine. Nothing I yeah. think worth. Really
1: uh see, I, I don't really know enough about the Inquisitor. It's just like a not it's not a class that has really stuck out in my mind to make uh to make a lot of value judgments when it comes to this.
0: Oh, but but don't you know you could replace all the divine classes in the game with Inquisitor and be great. <laughs>
1: yeah. This by the way is referring to a meme of ours where Mark wanted to uh you know, we were we were talking about creating our own campaign setting and limiting what classes are available from like a world perspective, right? Like, you know, if the god if the gods are silent how can you be a cleric right um and so when we were in that conversation mark basically said that cleric oracle uh paladin uh war priest all of these classes are redundant and that it should all be the the only class that should be available for divine players is the inquisitor so that's one perspective on things. Um, I like the cloaked wolf archetype to a certain extent uh, I think it's cool and I think it's straightforward uh, I don't, I see in my mind I think it's weak mechanically, but I don't really know, uh, I think of solo tactics and teamwork feats as being pretty strong for the Inquisitor, so losing that uh, for Unleashed Fury is not amazing but, you know, hey, I'm not gonna... Like I said, I don't know much about the Inquisitor.
0: Uh, yeah, I like the I I like the Faith Hunter because it's kind of like you get. I think it's the one where you kind of get smite right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You
1: sworn enemy someone or something.
0: Yeah, yeah you
1: get smite um, as a as a sixth level ability.
0: Yeah. So yeah, that's I think that that's neat. I think that kind of like starts to bridge the gap between. Um, uh, you know the paladins. And it's like a halfway point in there, which I think is neat. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've I have uh, one of my players in Wrath is playing an Inquisitor. He's playing the Inquisitor of Caden Kaladin, Um and I always love that because I always think it's kind of like a very silly, uh maybe not silly, but kind of like weirdly at odds with itself type of type of character, right? Because Caden Kaladin, like Inquisitors, are kind of like these gruff, like. You will obey the church, and Caden Cal is kind of this like, oh, let's get drunk type of uh, type of God. Um, and I, I think that this, I think that this kind of uh, this Faith Hunter is also like good for kind of like, it would be good for something like Wrath of the Righteous, where like, you know, your enemy is kind of very set and distinct, mm. you know, there's demons. Um, Secret Seeker, eh, eh. <laughs> like i guess if you wanted to play kind of like the 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 interrogator type it's good for that um not much else to say about it uh, yeah
1: not really uh the tactical leader you uh, get
0: tactician. tactician
1: so that's basically the whole archetype as, yep. far as i see it <laughs> um
0: trace operative it's like rogue features
1: I actually like this one okay. a little bit more. And I, and I like it in the context of... Uh, I actually think that there's room for... Uh, I, try, I tried to do it a little bit in Hell's Rebels, but it didn't quite work out the way I wanted to. And I think that's, you know, at the end of the day, it's okay. Um, but I actually think that there's room for, like, hardcore stealth play, almost, uh, in, in Pathfinder. So, like, I could see a group be all you know very, but be very stealth focused right and you have and like this is one way to make your inquisitor like ridiculously stealth focused and you're playing the game a little bit more like it's um uh you know like you're like the like you're playing deus ex stealth only kind of thing right, right. um compared to playing it like you know i don't know dragon, dragon age inquisition kind of thing
0: yeah I feel like this is one of, there there's a handful of archetypes that kind of fit around certain themes that if you got the whole party to agree to do it, it'd be neat. Like there's a, there's a cleaner archetype for, for, um, Oh, what is it stalker? Not stalker. Why can't I remember the uh, the name of it? The, Slayer? The, Slayer. Yes. Um, and I think like if you built a party around those kinds of characters, it's like, you know, infiltrate, fuck shit up and get out. Like that could be a cool thing. You need like, you need a campaign set up for it. Essentially. You wouldn't right. want to try and, like, run Rise of the Rune Lords with that. It's like, we infiltrate the Ogre House type of, like... <laughs> yeah, 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 I feel that. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's got some neat, neat features. Um, yeah. Um, I like Umbral Stalker in kind of, like, it's, like... It kind of reminds me of, like, Batman in, in, in a way. You know, like, like, comes out of the dark... Fuck your shit up, and that's like their their deal. I,
1: okay, okay, I see it in that sense. Uh, that's fair.
0: And and I think that it like you know, it gets, it it gets that it does it well, it does it solidly with some solid mechanics. I don't think there's much else to say about it.
1: No, yeah, I mean this one doesn't. It didn't wow me. It didn't.
0: It didn't grab my attention. No. Um, honestly, same thing with Vigilant Defender. Yeah, it's just like a so. a tanky, a tank. Yeah.
1: I, I, I almost like the idea of Vigilant Defender in combination with a more spellcasting focused, uh, you know, there's just this line that kind of made Vigilant Defender from kind of, like, eh to, like, interesting to a certain extent, where it says, these Vigilant Defenders often work alongside traveling clerics and paladins. Like, I almost like a Vigilant Defender who's traveling with a very, you know, like, a frailly kind of cleric who needs that protection. Uh, I can get behind that. That's cool. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be divine, obviously, but yeah. the RP, the RP is what uh, I don't know. You know, the RP is what I'm looking for. Yep. Uh, don't tell me you're going to take any of these new investigator archetypes. Oh
0: like, no! <laughs> like I looked at them because I was like, oh boy, it's an intrigue book. Maybe these investigator archetypes are are great, but like the cipher, the cipher is, is you know is not is like you know you don't you 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 hide from things real good uh the conspirator the conspirator's kind of neat um uh like it's kind of like like this kind of like bluff like you know like you know paranoid kind of dude but like it's it's like a couple of it's a couple of features that you could swap out easily if you had them to swap out but I don't think it's anything speci- uh, special
1: I could definitely see. Uh, I could definitely see conspirator like work out in, uh, uh, you know, like a different Hell's Rebels game, like yeah. a more criminally focused one, or like Council of Thieves, or whatever that one is. Like, yeah, I think those are definitely games built for it. Uh, but it doesn't have a, it doesn't have a place, kind of anywhere else, uh, to to you know, kind of whatever extent. Oh.
0: Um, Forensic physician is like, it, it it is exactly what it sounds like. It's like, I guess if you wanted to play CSI, you could play a forensics physician. It's It seems weird. It seems like kind of weirdly out of place for the, the setting. But, you know, if that's if that's the kind of character you want to play, um, you know, go for it, I guess.
1: Yeah, I kind of like it in the context of someone who wants to almost be like house. But like, I can't, I get it. But I can't see where it would ever be, like, useful. Yeah. You know, like, at what point is disease lore really going to, like, make or break your game? Well, you know, it's kind of not.
0: Yeah. It'd have to be, like, a... It'd have to be a campaign kind of built around it, which is... I I find find that that's true for a lot of these things, in, in this book in particular, that if you had a campaign that was tailored to this kind of action, it would make a good, like... If you ran like a one-off or or like a short campaign where the characters were all pre-judged and you handed this character to someone, it would work. Oh, if-
1: that would be interesting. Yeah, I feel that.
0: I don't know if this would work. Like, like guys, we're gonna we're gonna solve the crime of the center. It's like I build a barbarian and we can hit it all. Um, in- instead, like doing it doing it like this, like you get to play the forensic investigator. Ooh, um, I think that could make for a cool and different Pathfinder experience. But I think it has to be really kind of uh tailored to that experience
1: and yeah definitely um in a similar sense i also kind of feel that way about the hallucinist where i kind of think that you know you, some really, drugs, you really really have to you really have to want to play this like, yeah you really have to want to play this class and it's one of those or this archetype and uh and even on top of that i feel like you can't play it in a lot of games just because of how weird it is yeah um I don't know if you guys just heard my cat meowing, but she's very she's very noisy in the background. <laughs> um it, 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 it honestly kind of uh it honestly kind of sucks because I think the Hallucinist has some interesting like I like you know, for instance, uh uh in whatever the psychic book was, uh Cult Adventures. Uh, Cult Adventures. There's a Hallucinist kind of version of Maybe the psychic, uh, who you know, like takes uh, takes drugs to induce you know stuff, and I think that that's you know I think that's a neat idea. Uh, it just it seems. I don't know. This is just really not a class for me. I'm, I shouldn't be judging it one way or the other because it's so clearly not built for the buddies of the world. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, even even like for for you know, it's just a very weird like. If you wanted to play a druggy character, you could do worse than this class. But I don't know if, like, if yeah, I'd want to make—I don't, g- don't know I, if I'd want to make a character that's so much about the drugs that I'd want it to be their entire class identity.
1: Yeah, yeah, me neither. Um, the major domo is a class I actually like a lot. I think the class uh, has a lot going for it. In, <laughs> I kind of like it more than it is good, and I don't—I could I, myself never play it, but it is it really fills that fantasy for me. And I think that it
0: is just super cool. Yeah. I I felt like it was kind of like an NPC class again. Like, yeah, it's just like, I I can't imagine being in a campaign where like your, your, your character's job is to like be a major domer domo for either an NPC or I guess another, I guess you could run it as like, or this would be also be a good uh, cohort archetype.
1: Oh, definitely. Definitely. Uh, like you are the noble, and they're the and they're yeah. major domo. That's cool. That's neat.
0: Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to take to leadership at level seven and take one of these. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, I think I think it's I think it you're right. It fulfills the uh, the um the arc the the idea perf- perfectly, pretty perfectly. Um, um but I, I just don't think it, it it's like this might also be good for like. If you have a player that shows up every once in a while, the, the, it'll maybe slot into that kind of, um, I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, they also get tactician. The, the, uh, oh, the delegate tactician? feature is basically tactician. Um, oh, huh.
0: I did not realize that. Uh,
1: it's, I don't know if it's better or worse because, I mean, they get it at level one and it scales up pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It looks like it's honestly pretty pretty down the line, but, like, inspired manager at third level, a major dono knows how to make just about any work task more efficient, from cleaning a great hall after a big party to crafting a magic item, and it's like, I get that. I really get that. Uh, and I see how somebody could break that, like, hardcore. Oh, by, like, yeah. You know, uh, uh, crafting a bunch of magic items and making tons of gold off of it and all that kind of You know, like, with the with the with the right downtime rules and the wrong GM, you could really break a game with that. But. This
0: is how we broke Nick's Kingmaker campaign a couple of years ago. Was we all took leadership and we all had our cohorts take like the item creation feats, oh. and we just had access to everything. Oh jeez, um, yeah, because that that game like Kingmaker is about having all of the downtime, so I I I think that's something that. The systems don't handle well is like yeah campaigns yeah. with like built-in large amounts of downtime it's like well i'm gonna cheese the fuck out of this because why wouldn't i type of it's like one of those things where it's like well even if i'm a well-intentioned player am i not supposed like am i supposed to get myself and like take non-optimal things because i don't know type of deal
1: yeah definitely i definitely uh uh i definitely feel that um and then there are all these mesmerist archetypes that are instantly terrible because the mesmerist is terrible.
0: <laughs> uh, the yeah, I'm, I'm not as down on the mesmerist as you are. Um, I I don't even know what to to say about the enigma. Like, it gets sneak attack. you've got your rogue mesmerist. Like, I I feel like there's a lot of classes like this, like. Get sneak attack on, or a lot of our are like get sneak attack on this not rogue class, like um, it's like the vivisectionist for uh, for alchemists. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, it's it's a stealthy mesmerist. Um, I think the eye biter is just like bears mentioning because it's so <coughs> so fucking weird. He literally plucks the eyeball out of his head, and it flies around. Like, what the actual fuck? <laughs> you know, there's actually more than
1: one of these uh, of like these kinds of really weird archetypes floating around. Uh, floating around Pathfinder, I would like to like kind of collect them all. Just. They Kind of have like a pathfinder, just like what the fuck edition of the weird, you're just like of the weird stuff that exists out there.
0: Um, are you thinking of anything in particular?
1: Uh, now I'm thinking of the serpent archer, but that's also a third. Oh, party. yeah, this, but the serpent, ah, oh, the serpent archer,
0: the serpent archer
1: is just so weird, <laughs> and the eye biter is also very weird. It has a strength score of one, a dexterity score of 12, and a constitution of 10
0: and it flies around, and you, you, you destroy your, if you if, Yeah, uh, if it gets
1: destroyed, you have to get regeneration.
0: <laughs> yeah, you have to regenerate your eyeball.
1: Which is uh, that, you know, that's that's cool, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's nice. it's, it's, it's like someone was like, it, it's like someone went to, like, head of design at Paizo, and was like, yo, I've got the the, the dankest idea for a Mesmer's archetype. And it's like, okay, okay, let's let's hear. It. It's like eyeballs. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, yo, yo, you puk- you poke your eyeballs out and they fly around and you can like make people not see well. Like eyeball really speaks to my like core Mesmerist fantasy. It's like. What the f- like you know like like what what the hell is this shit? See, like, actually,
1: I feel like it's the opposite way. I feel like whoever you know, like James Jacobs or whoever was sitting down for this book, and he was like, "Guys, I have a great idea." You know, I'm, the the eye biter that he explains, and everyone's like, "Uh oh, you know, okay, okay, boss, yeah, I you know, yeah, yeah, I guess that works." And nobody, you know, like nobody thought to actually bring it up to James Jacobs would be like. That's this is dumb. This is retarded. And he gets Absolutely a ghost dragon, ridiculous. and his third hit does triple damage. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there's the fae uh, trickster, I guess.
0: Yeah, I, I think it, I think it's fine for what it is, which is kind of like fae based.
1: He definitely feels pretty tricky. Yeah. I think Feyvale is a neat ability. Uh, I guess it's a bullshit uh, class. Terrible. It's kind of like
0: a, a a weird kind of like ramp up to. It's like you get a feature for uh like levels like you can replace you get some you get some uh uh you get some you get druid and ranger spells instead of uh instead of like your mesmerist stuff. You get some phase stuff at level two, level three. And then uh at level twenty you get a new capstone. Yeah, and at um,
1: level 20, you just become a Fae. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, which is cool. Yeah. I guess, uh, I don't know. I, I, I've actually, see, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I'm not a big fan of Fae stuff uh, or outsider stuff uh, in general. It's never really appealed to me in, like, a, I don't know, in game terms. I just feel like. I like dealing with the real world of Galarian and kind of that, uh, the, the planes shifting, the planes hopping that happens isn't something I get, uh, I get very intrigued by, to make a pun out of
0: it. Um, I think the Thought Eaters, neat. uh, like, you know, if you wanted to, sc- like, I like the idea of being able to kind of, like, assume the identity of somebody else, but it also kind of requires having that person... Like, I get the fantasy, right? Like, you maybe you kidnap somebody, and you, like, look into my eyes, and you become that person and go fuck yeah. with someone. Um, and it kind of flavors that class a little bit more evil than I'd, I'd, I would have... I would like. Um, I think it's neat, but I... I uh, Like, I, I think that, like, say, like, the infiltrator investigator does kind of, like, that job a little bit better. Um Other than the specific kind of, like, you know, stare at a dude and become that dude, like, before his eyes type of fantasy, specific fantasy. I guess I'm glad that the mechanic exists, but I don't think it's a particularly...
1: I actually think it's a really neat idea with pretty terrible execution. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that, you know, if they did go a little bit harder for it, Uh, in, in that, like, infiltrator sense, in that, um, in that kind of disguise-focused sense, I would be, I would be more down with this, uh, class archetype, but as, as it is, it's just kind of uninteresting, um, and it doesn't really provide, it doesn't really do what I think it's, it doesn't do what it says on the tin, uh, it doesn't get, it doesn't really get there, um, I like. I think that disguise bonus on a super on a identity is really weak. You know, like that's just not a very good disguise bonus. Um, I don't know. I guess if you like, you you oh, is equal to the fucking
0: mesmerism level? That's fucking terrible. Yeah. Like what the yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, it's good if you like if you cheat it out. uh, And as we have learned recently, the disguise check is kind of nuts. uh, In that, like, if you pump it, you can just be anyone at all time, You know, like, you, yeah. you can just, you can just literally be anybody else because it's really not built for someone to cheese it through the roof. Um, but, if you wanted to cheese even harder, here we got the Thought Eater. Yeah. And assume identity, I guess. Or whatever. Uh, and then the Vizier is actually kind of neat. Uh, I think, I think it has a core fantasy and it executes pretty well yeah. on it.
0: It, it. it reminds me of the Major Domo in that way. Yeah.
1: Um, it, it's definitely, I mean, the see, Vizier Vizier will never not be tied to Jafar from Aladdin yeah. for me. It's just, that's what a Vizier is. That's who a Vizier is. Yeah. And so the fact that this so perfectly fits with who the, Jafar is as a character makes me down for this class. Uh,
0: yeah, like, I'd, I'd like, like, it'd be neat to, like, you know, like, these kind of, like, legendary green text stories you read on Reddit. Like it'd be neat to like start a game at like seventh or eighth level, and be playing a a, a creature with leadership that has like a a, a vizier, um, as what you assume is the fall, fo- or like what what is portrayed as the follower, but is actually the main character. And they've kind of got like this like who knows like some some do gooder in front of them, and then like the big reveal at the end is that it's the uh, it's it's you know like he's just kind of this like corrupting influence. Yeah. Um. But it's also, I think, kind of like like more suited to an NPC. Like just because there's so few, like this definitely has like an evil vibe to it, and there are so few evil games out there. Like you have to run an evil game to kind of effectively run this character.
1: Man, I really do want to. uh, I really want to run an evil game someday. Mm. Um. I think I also just think that the one ability is neat, where you can cast from someone else. Yeah. Um. To look unassuming. That's so cool. That's so awesome. Uh, it doesn't work in like dungeon delvey situations, but it works, I think, in a lot of others. Which is, you know, cool. Yeah. I think that's. I think that's. So deep.
0: I think this this would even be like great to play as without like the insidious influence kind of flavors it bad, but like I could see like a a a game where like you know two two friends and one of them is just kind of like like the face, the other one's kind of like in the shadows and doesn't want to be seen. It's like, yeah. but he acts through his friend. I think that could be cool, but the, uh, the insidious influence kind of, uh, um, like, I guess you don't have to use it, but it kind of flavors it in that kind of like manipulative way.
1: Yeah, I definitely think it does. Um, there's this Vox. Uh, I like
0: the, the. I actually like the Vox archetype. Um, I like the idea of or one. I just like the name. Um, and I, I like the like the idea of like it's it's through his voice instead of through through his his stares. I think it kind of like gives him a fairly generic set of abilities to go with that but uh
1: yeah i uh i basically agree uh it's one of those things it's not built for me but i can see it's not built for me but i can see who it is built for and i could see somebody else uh make this class really shine
0: yeah I, I, could, I could see myself playing this archetype but you know you know like the kind of like honeyed words like you know like uh type of type of uh, hypnotism, and it's got a bunch of cool... So, from, like, a very Captain Crunchy type of perspective, it gets a lot of Sonic spells. And Sonic spells are... Sonic is, like, the second best energy type in the game, generally. Yeah,
1: because it, there aren't resists for it.
0: Yeah. Um.
1: But, uh, but I guess we... So, uh, well, we've come to, I guess, the halfway point of yeah. these archetypes because we actually went through each one um, and we spent a lot of time talking about it in the beginning but uh, I guess we should come back to this. Yeah. All of this stuff. I don't mind mining Ultimate Intrigue uh, it's probably one of my favorite of these of these Pathfinder books that have come out in recent memory. Um, to be honest like the book is a, uh, as a whole. Yeah. Um, though I haven't read I haven't read all of it yet spoiler alert
0: yeah, I I haven't finished the back half of it. I read I read the items because the items are cool, but uh, but yeah,
1: the the mastering intrigue chapter is actually really neat. It's really awesome. Um, I don't know that I would actually. It's one of those things where I I have to I have to think about pretty hard about whether or not like where, how I would incorporate this stuff but i just i think that they you know they've they've really hit they've really hit the the nail on the head uh when it comes i don't know
0: yeah all right well uh this week we've got um when this episode goes up the hell's rebels will be tomorrow um and uh then it will be what is it the next week will be uh it'll be Rune Lords um and then that that'll be the the kind of schedule set out um and then uh uh anything else i might be streaming dark souls 3 so keep your eyes out for that on the channel boys and girls um if i can get the framing to cooperate um if i can't i might not who knows we'll see um anything you wanted to plug buddy Uh, not off the top of my head,
1: I guess. Uh, I probably should stream to the channel. I should stream some of these League games with the Korea friends to the League channel. We had a whole bunch of really good games today where I made some really awesome plays, including Alistar headbutting an Ash out of a Bard's Magical Journey to her death. Uh, and, you know, last minute. I, I was playing supports today, uh, because that's what I play in my main account a lot of the time, but that would probably be a good idea to a certain extent
0: but yeah um yeah if you want to if you want to tell us uh what you think of these archetypes or how uh how Alistair's bullshit or anything really you can email us at some derps playgames at gmail.com uh or you can comment on the soundcloud track you can uh follow us on twitter facebook and twitch and youtube links will all be in the description um and uh that's pretty much it anything else buddy No, I think, you know, I think we're solid. Um,
1: Thanks for tuning in.
0: Yeah, until next time, dear listeners.
1: Yeah, until next time, definitely.